So you're saying to yourself, yo, sir, dude, I wanted to see Kevin Smith in Halifax, Nova Scotia, but the motherfucker sold out. Well, after I shed a tear for you, I highly recommend bookmarking csmod.com. That's the place on the worldwide interwebs to see all upcoming Smodco shows, updated with linky links to Tiki Tickets. Say it with me, baby. csmod.com. Nice. Ooh, I just got a little hard there. So, you're saying, yo, sir, dude, I love sir, and I want to show the world. Wear your sir love with our official t-shirts, biatch. Fishies have no eyes. Let us fuck. Jay and Silent Bob get old. The Garmy. There's also posters, action figures. There's so many to choose from. Grab your smirch at smodcast.com. Scroll down and click on Smerchandise. Team Jack, here we go. Episode 16. This is how it starts. Episode 16, Alec Peters. That's the title. And Matt Cohen? Yep. There's no X in Alec. I, I've kind of figured that. <laughs> I was going out on a limb on that one. <laughs> this is the first time we've ever uh, had an episode title that is literally just um, the member of someone who's technically on Team Jack or you wouldn't be sitting here. But um, it came so naturally to me, as Alec is such a force of nature, it seemed ridiculous and um, inadequate to use some pithy metaphor. Like the prop masters. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> should have called it the prop master. Man. That's a good one. Um, so it's Alec Peters this week. Alec, you are not on Twitter, right? So I am. You, do you tweet? Rarely. A personal account, or is it the PropWorks account? No, it's it's. At so, what's Alec, your Twitter handle? At Alec Peters, A L E C Peters, P E T E R S. No, so now, now, like many, I'm I'm gonna have watch to start your tweeting. follower account. Gonna have to. Start It'll go up at least two. <laughs> um, we also have Matt Cohen as usual. Hello, our um, sickly looking, so sickly engineer. It's amazing. It's amazing they let me out in public. Slash. Do I need um, to get you a sandwich? Expert. I'm good, man. He never eats. I always offer him metabolic life bars. He refuses. Always. Oh, how how could someone turn those bad boys down? <laughs> um, do you have any Similac also? What's that? That's like baby food. Yeah, right? just weird <laughs> compounded foods if you're offering oh them. Yeah. <laughs> so let's see. Alec Peters has a few connections to our um to our Team Jack universe. I met Alec. Um, not quite three years ago this month. I think we probably met in February of three years probably, ago. Because you met Santino first. That's right. Um, three weeks ago, not, it all gets jumbled with podcasting because we air next week, blah, 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 blah. The day that we're actually recording this, who cares? It's not relevant. When does someone actually listen to it? But, um, I met Alec through the Battlestar Galactica auctions that he, uh, produced for NBC Universal through his company PropWorks. With an X. With an X. That does have an X. <laughs> I know that's X. weird. It should, should have been PropWork. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, my last company was called AuctionWorks. AuctionWorks. So it, 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 and didn't you also have MarketWorks? Well, AuctionWorks changed 
to market works. Same company. We had to morph the name because eBay was moving from auctions to just sales. So we right. needed something to, to show that uh, the company auction works was basically a software company that I created that allowed people to sell thousands of items a time at, right. uh, on, uh, on eBay back. And this is back, started in 1999 when eBay was in its infancy, it had just gone public and we discovered that people were having a hard time managing their business on eBay. You couldn't sell more than a hundred items a week. There was no PayPal. There was no, you know, automatic feedback or it, right. it, it was so primitive right. at the time. It was in, it's really in its infancy. So we created a system and I am not a technology guy at all. Right. And we created this a software system. It was just on the one time with my, the guy who was my technologist. I was working for another company. I said, Hey, could, here's the workflow for selling on eBay. And could you do one of those database thingies to this? And that was, and the that this company or this activity all took place in Atlanta. In Atlanta. Yep. Hot Atlanta. 99 until the company was sold in 2008. By the way, Matt Cohen, Alec Peters, born podcaster. Did you see how he took that? Oh, he, I was, I was already, yeah, I wasn't even thinking about cohesive, it. Cohesive, coherent, cogent. Do I have any any other words that start with C-O? Go for it. Cohen? C-O-O. <laughs> yeah, Cohen. Very Cohen. Yeah, that was very Cohen of you, Alec. <laughs> um, we met through the Battlestar Galactic auctions. I was yep. a good customer. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> um, yeah. But I, I got to say, and because this is probably not public. Don't say record. too much. <laughs> no, no, no. Not about that. Okay. About the way I found out. The, fir- I never, the first time I heard about you, you were taking delivery from Santino of your... Battlestar Some of my small, winnings. insignificant yes, just, winnings. It was just a couple things, but he was in the neighborhood. A couple so small felt, things. Felt he should drop them off. Right. And he comes back, and his and his first impression of you, he didn't ha- know what to make of you. You know, because we've been friends now, so I know you. But his first, he was like, yeah, when it went up, you know, I, I, I went up and, you know, it was this guy living in the Hollywood Hills, and, you know, his partner right. is... His partner is this movie director and he's telling me how he has an Oscar downstairs. And Santino at first didn't know, you know, he, he's from Canada. Right. Santino. Usually he, I do not pimp the Oscar. Yeah. So I don't even know. Honestly, yeah. it's like, I don't you know. know why you must have shown him, ja- you must have shown him Bill's office or something. And, I don't and, know. uh, so here's Santino, this Canuck. And I say that with the most loving assistant props on Battlestar assistant across Pro- maybe Battlestar. three se- three of the four seasons. Yeah, and and a super guy and one of my very good hilarious friends. and filthy, He's funny as hell and filthy, yes, absolutely filthy. And what lo- what this old hostess I used to work with at the Mafia Country Club in New Jersey would call a whore master, <laughs> right? Yes, which it could take. Yes. I'm sure you have one of the, I'm sure you have a whole class of that in your Warhammer Episode games, 16, so. Whoremaster. Whoremaster. <laughs> one word. Yeah, which goes into, yes, since, uh, the, the aforementioned Horst was the Warmaster. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there you the go. Whore the Whoremaster. I'm going to pick that. So, uh, Santino, who's, who came, who came to work for us, right? Literally after the first auction, because. Right. Before the first Battlestar auction, Propworks was me and Joe Bodwin. It was two guys. Right. right. And overachieve, way overachieving. And, um, Santino, so he worked for me for six months um, since he didn't have work when Battlestar finished off. Yeah, well, I was waiting off. to see what was going to happen with Caprica. Exactly, and yeah. uh, and so he was, so he's funny. So he he off. this was his first, he was like as as kind of savvy and with it as he is, and having lived in L.A. before, Santino was still like didn't know what to make of Hollywood types. So yeah, he, you know, so and it wasn't until you know his. I, I think the second time you got, or maybe it was after he came back well, from did actually meeting you. did he have an unfavorable you. first impression? Yeah, he did. He was it like, was unfavorable. I think, I think his, no, his first phone call with you was, 
he didn't know what to make of you. And then he met you and he's like, Oh, he's a really cool guy. Yeah. And then when ultimately Santino, you know, left and, and then you start, you know, that's when we really started yeah. getting to it. So I will kill that motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. He's a great guy. I miss Santino. Um, Alex, Alec and I quickly bonded once we finally met over our love of, I would say of, um, Star Trek specifically, TOS. Yeah. Well, Battlestar, of course, course, but blowing through that TOS Star Trek and the, the Star Trek movies with the TOS cast. Do you have a, a terminology for those movies inside Star Trek culture? The TOS movies? I don't think, what do you call them? It's one through, it's Star Trek the motion picture through generations technically are the only movies. So it's one, Technically, if you had to number them, one through seven are the ones that involve any members of the TOS cast. After that, it's it's first contact. First contact starts out, which is still probably of those movies, if you don't include the JJ. Most people consider it's the best movie. First contact is after the best of the next gen. Of the next gen, it's clearly the best. It's the only, of the best. And, uh, it's, is that the one? Many people. Is that the one with the Borgs? Right, the Borg. It is. Yeah, yeah, and the Vulcans know. making the, first contact first on contact, Earth and, and stuff. It's James Cromwell as Zephram Cochran, and it's yeah. you know it's directed just by a, Jonathan Frakes, right? Ph- phenomenally direct directed by yeah. Jonathan Frakes. I mean, yeah. it was really a, an a, a, you know amazing job for you know I believe that was his first theatric uh, directing gig. Yeah, and uh, so that movie, yeah, that's a great movie. As a kid, I think I tapped out on the one before with Shatner on a horse. That's right, Generations. Yeah, Generations. That was, yeah. was sort first, of the That was handoff. my first and only uh, theatrical experience until JJ's Star Trek was. Right. Because I wasn't a Star Trek guy growing up at all. And that movie, it has its moments. Generation it does, has huh? its moments in terms of the early stuff that's on the Enterprise with Kirk that, that does get that tone so right of totally. one of the TOS cast movies. It's awesome. But then as soon as it sort of shifts over to what you would say it's sort of it's it was always meant to be a passing of the torch movie right so it's there is a a very subtle stylistic shift that happens when it does sort of move into more next generation territory that for me is bad news bears i'm not and the death of kirk yeah co-written by oh well we could do you could do 10 podcasts on the death of kirk but alec and i agree great score Phenomenal score. Love it. Underrated Dennis score McCarthy. by, I think, yeah, one of the TV composers. Yeah. And the movie really. itself was directed by one of the direct, one of the episodic directors of Next Gen, I believe. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know off the top of my head. I, I, and I'll I get there quickly. And I've told you, I have, uh, I feel a lot better about Generations than many Star Trek fans. I love that. I think it's a, a really good movie. You know, the passing of the torch, I, I think you hit all the high notes. The the scene on the Enterprise B in the beginning is win win Pitch win. Perfect. It, it it is Scotty's lines are amazing. Yeah. Chekhov has real substance, and the stuff with Demora Sulu, her uh, Carl Sulu's daughter, is great. I mean, I, I think the only take that a lot of us have is why does every Starfleet captain besides Kirk have to be a you know just be Douchey. so underwhelming? <laughs> you know, yeah. in that whole you know that that the whole yeah. Alan Rock who. Here's a little trivia. I was the I am the first you didn't person know this? I am the first person ever to get Alan Ruck's autograph at a Star Trek convention. Well that's hilarious. His first Star Trek convention, which you know is who Alan Ruck is, Cohen? No. It wouldn't it won't mean anything to anyway. Cameron Day from Ferris. Oh he's Bueller's Cameron, Day yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah, he became and a Starfleet captain. Wasn't he on one of those sitcoms? 
No, I'm thinking of Barry, whatever. Okay, I know who Alan Rook is. Anyway, so he, any kind of place like a cast star, you kind of go, how did this guy get to be captain of the Enterprise B? He looks like he just got, you know, just got off a freighter. So, but yeah. other than that, and then it morphs into the whole scene on the, on the ship, on the, on the tall ship on the sea and yeah. the promotion of Orph, which is really good. And then right away it hits you with, Picard's nephew and his brother die in a fire, and it and so yeah, there's a little oh. there's some emotion, and the and the other thing about generations is the lighting effects, the lighting in that movie, especially in Picard's quarters and with the sun, it, it's great. It's it, there's some great stuff yeah. in that movie. Yeah, yeah, I, I I understand why people aren't crazy, especially about the death of Kirk. Yeah, but there was um you know in the whole thing of well if you can go back to any point in time, why don't you go back and you know. Yeah. Kill Soren or something like that. So, yeah. but uh, you know, it is what it is, and it's uh, and it's enjoyable. I find. And directed by Dave Carson, right? Who's got some early credits here on the IMDb that make me think they've they've uh, combined him with another another David Carson, who's and nobody's bothered to correct them. So let's just guess that Carson's first credit, The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes, in '84 TV series, right? Something calls this Lightning Always Strikes Twice in '85. Bright Smiler in 85, The Return of Sherlock Holmes in 86, and then it's a lot of episodic directing, Call Me Mr., Bullman, Bergerac, Bust, The Alien Nation TV series, The Trials of Rosie O'Neill, WIOU, Sons and Daughters, L.A. Law, Northern Exposure, Life Goes On, Homefront Sisters, and then four episodes of Next Generation, two episodes of 90210, four episodes of Doogie Howser, M.D., Unknown amount of episodes of South Beach, Shameful Secrets, which looks straight to video, four episodes of DS9, which would be Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Then he gets Star Trek Generations, probably because Rick Berman yeah, says saw, so. Uh, of course. And Rick Berman was ruling the roost back then. And then I, it's I straight lo- back into TV. <laughs> I love that Star Trek is the only property where like they let fans write scripts and they're like, um, that grip seems to know what Kirk is. Let him direct the fucking movie. <laughs> exactly. It was Frakes yeah. directing a movie and this guy, like, yeah. I know. Yeah. Of late, like, this guy's directed episodes of Smallville, Dresden Files. But you know, the, 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 the problem with Generations, and you may differ than, than, than it's been a while since I've seen it. Is, is not the directing, the it's, the, it's the writing. It's not the direct. If you have problems with that, yeah. you have to, your problems are probably with the writing, of course, and the death of Kirk and how that was handled and stuff. Bad. But visually, it was a great movie. And yeah. so, anyway, moving on. Had he not been dead, uh, I've, I've only seen the J, I've seen all the original, all the TOS movies, the JJ and all the now TOS. After JJ though, JJ's was the first Star Trek thing I've ever seen in my life. Okay, really? And, and then I went great. back. I mean, that's good. I grew up a Star Wars kid. Yeah, well, so okay. I was always like, "Fuck those nerds." Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, the fucking what is it? The uh, the the protocol or whatever. Where the prime directive? The prime directive. I was like, yeah, Star Wars. The prime directive is cutting people's fucking faces off with laser swords, <laughs> peace and harmony, but, and all that which, shit. Which is kind of why it's it's actually more fun to hang out with Star Wars fans than Star yeah, Trek I mean, fans. Um, <laughs> but again, it's like J.J. Abrams made a Star Wars movie. He did. He did. He with went Star over Trek to Paramount. Characters. He picked up their dead franchise. Yes. And he he blew the dust off, and he made Star Wars. But, but I do I do dig uh the TOS for entirely different reasons that we've discussed this before, but like I yeah. love I love the cheese factor of it. Yeah. I do and I really do enjoy I enjoy the hell out of it. It is amazing how people have rediscovered TOS or people have discovered TOS after 
and because of JJ, JJ Star Trek. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that was my and then entree. They go back and, to and, that, go, and so wow, you must say that was stuff. effective. However, I won't ever make the Enterprise jump or all that. That's what I no. think JJ's is doing too. I don't think anyone who likes JJ's movie is going to care about Picard and R- Ralph. Right. Not Ralph. No, What's although the there's, a, there's a huge yeah. generation. Yes. Mike Enriquez, who's Mike Enrique, 31 exactly. years old, for him, who? it's next generation. And when they recently announced that they were, you know, re, they've gone back to all the original film elements, they're re, not redoing all the special effects, but they're cleaning Most everything of the special up. Effects on they're next doing, gen for, but, for a Blu-ray release. Because it was all done on not video. redoing TOS style. No. Well, there the, are not new shots. The, it will look like it looked when you watch it on TV, but it will look better. It will look better. Yeah. You'll see the same shot and, and you may not realize that it's a, it's, it's totally, it may, it will be totally, There's a totally new detail. fabrication. Yeah. More detail about that, but it will not be different as, as it will not and, be different in any conceptual way. The right. way that the, the recent TOS, Blu-ray, which I love, I love TOS. TOS remastered. I have no problem with that. And that's the look, only way. I, seven shots of the enterprise that they used. I just remembered my original question on that whole thing. So when TOS ends, are, are the original uh, crew ever mentioned on Enterprise before Generations? Like, do we did we know that Kirk was alive? Before well, you know, we, Enterprise we saw... came after Generations, right? Oh, I didn't. We're referring that. to the, the TV series Star Trek Enterprise, which with, was initially called Enterprise with Picard. Oh no, no, no that's that Star, Trek, Star Trek: Next Generation. Generation. Oh, what Star Trek? Oh, okay, I'm talking about that one, man. Right. right. So, so on that, were they are ever like Kirk and Spock ever mentioned in? Well, Next yes. Gen? In Star Trek: Next Generation, you first hear them mention Kirk in in a first season episode. I hate to show my geekness. Called the Naked Now, which was basically a remake of the Naked Time, which was a classic Star Trek yeah. episode, where they say, "Oh, that happened on Kirk's Enterprise," and you really don't hear much again until Spock appears in in Reunification. Oh, so Part there are some cast member cameos. There's in the original a couple. Cast. So Spock comes back for two episodes. Now he's an ambassador to Romulus, and right. then we see Scotty in an episode called Relics. Um, Scotty was trapped in a transporter for a hundred years, and so nice. so those are the the, the two that and we. Did, and what was the net effect of having been trapped in that transporter? Was there a a net? Weight gain. I was gonna say <laughs> weight loss. He gained a shit. Yeah, he gained a lot of weight. You know, I don't know how that happened. His face it's got so really bloated. red. He got that it's, drink. I he feel got, so bloated. He got a drinker's <laughs> nose for some reason in that fucking thing. And then, just to be a completist, Doctor McCoy is in the first episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation. He's actually survived until eighty. I think it's like eighty years later after TOS. Looking he's, like Cicely Tyson. I oh mean, my god, he looks like, old. But yeah. by the time he's, Generations comes around, who's still alive? But Bones is dead because but the actor was dead, right? Right. Uh, is Sulu yes. in the movie? Uh, no, Sulu's well, not in the movie. Nichelle, we don't. Nichelle we don't know Nichols? what happened to Sulu. We don't know how it happened to Chekhov. We don't know how it happened to Aurora. We know Scotty is still alive in the twenty fourth century. I guess that is at this point. Uh-huh. Um, we know McCoy was alive at, uh, at that at that point. We know Spock is alive and Kirk and Kirk. We find out was trapped in this nexus. trapped in time a time right. thing. Yeah, in yeah, the yeah. nexus right. from Terran exactly. Stamp. Right. Right on. All right. That does it for me. What about okay. Yeoman Rand? She it's died a, thousands of years ago. What about ago. her? You want to you bang that out? <laughs> I mean, if I had a time machine. Yeah, because it's... <laughs> yeah. The walls would fall down. She's on a little the old. Yeoman it's Rand a turns... Uh, the last time she's seen it would be... First season, right? Oh, no, no, no. Movies. Uh, 
And we see don't her. Don't hold up your fingers. You're, you're <laughs> participating. You don't have to give me the answer. We're not on a quiz show. Star, we see <laughs> Rand Star, Star Trek millionaire. We actually. I like to make a phone call. We see her. Uh, she's actually in Star Trek Six, mm-hmm. uh, um, yeah, yeah. right? Star Trek Six because Star Trek. She's serving on board the Excelsior with Captain Sulu. Okay. And then she, which means she fly her apart. Then oh my god, the one greatest, of the greatest lines greatest, ever in Star I, Trek. With you, hundred percent. Fly her apart. Then. Fly her apart. Then yeah, that was. She's great. also in Star Trek: The Motion Picture. She's yep. She's in the transporter room. Is right. She the she's transporter the transporter operator. Chief. Yep. She's the transporter chief in that. Right. In Star Trek Four, she's in in that. She's uh, serving at Starfleet Command. Right. Uh, we see her in that. Um, Who's the other gal from the first season that got quickly dropped out? Are you oh, thinking ta- of Mrs. Rod, Gene Roddenberry's De- wife, Major Barrett? No, no, Roddenberry. you're thinking of Denise Crosby, who was yes. Tasha Yar. Yes, oh, yes, the first yes, season yes. of yeah, Next yeah. Generation. She was killed by the Tar Monster. Oh. Which Alec oh. auctioned off recently in his Star Trek auction, the Tar Monster, for a record price of $26.48. <laughs> that's awesome. I thought you were going to go bullshit. way higher. No, that's totally what wrong. happened to the Tar Monster? I did sell Tasha Yar's. Dress uniform though in that in my last Star Trek auction. But what happened to the Tar Monster? Did it ever sell during Christie's? It's a wrap. The, uh, there was no, uh, the, there was no Tar Monster. Just asking. No, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> how many? It's God. Star Trek. If they, uh, yeah. anything sells, it would sell. How, how many tribbles have you fucking sold? Um, we've sold a few. That would, I, is that that's, is that like the collector, collector, collector thing? Yeah. Well, think? let's you pull know, let's pull back out for a second just so yeah. people can follow this. So. Alec creates this company, PropWorks, ostensibly to handle the Battlestar Galactica prop and costume auctions for NBC Universal. Right. After that, they're very successful. They're very hugely too, successful. Probably too successful. Due to Jack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because I actually think that there's a Cohen, business here. Shut it. <laughs> um, after that, your next, next the next o- studio or network you get in business with is MGM for Stargate. For all the Stargate auctions, right. which encompass all the iterations of Stargate, including. Even a few pieces from Roland Emmerich's feature. Yeah. Like, Although I, I, I think we actually did the Iron Man auction next. I think for Iron Marvel. Man was, for Marvel was the, the next auction we did. Right. Then we did Stargate. Marvel Studios. Uh, and then we did some small ones. We did Fine Gravity and Caprica, of course. We're very small. eBay based, no right. live auction. And then we did, uh, Kevin Smith, of Kevin course. Kevin Smith's auction. Auction, which Town was awesome. Which Took was, you back to, for the first time since the Battlestar auctions, the, Pasadena Convention Center and the brand new hall on the sort of west side. On the side west of side, yeah. Battlestar Two was on the west because Battlestar yeah, One was in the center. tent that they had put. A That's tent right. is Battlestar the big Two temporary was on the building. other side, right? And ba- and then Kevin Smith was in the old section, but it was in the conference center building, which is a beautiful building, right? Downstairs, and uh, and that was a lot of fun. Kevin right. just loved that, so that was that was good. Um, and uh. And then we then did Star Trek auction. Yes, then, we did then you Trek developed auction. an association with CBS, right. CBS Paramount, who yep. controls Star Trek. For those of you who don't know, we have a huge TwiHard listenership who are like, oh, fucking Star Trek. I know. They're like, can you uh, is Rob Pattinson going to be in yeah. Star Trek too? I don't give a shit. I don't know. Um, and you did one. The first Star you've Trek You've done auction. two st- official Correct. Star Trek auctions yes. now with with the participation of CBS Paramount, who controls the intellectual property, and you are preparing for a third. A third. A small. Yeah. So the first one was done because um, this is what Alec does, folks. He buys, sells, trades movie and TV props, I, costumes, set decoration, 
And to also interject, for all the auctions, you make like an awesome hardcover like art book, right? Yes, for most of the auctions. It depends if you, if it can justify it, we do, and I will proudly say that our auction catalogs are simply the best auction catalogs in the universe. You gifted me with like an Iron Man one. It's on my coffee table. It's awesome. Yeah, they're they're meant to be. coffee table books. And even though some would say that Alec Peters is at times an arrogant prick. Anybody, Many would say that, anybody, <laughs> including me sometimes. Anyone else or anyone in the in the um, the so-called hobby of collecting movie and TV props, costumes, set deck, etc., who's ever received a ca- of catalog from Heritage, Christie's, Profiles in History would you can't. It's it's indisputable that the PropWorks catalogs, all of them, all lined up on your shelf in your office are the sort of permanent record of the last three years of your life. Absolutely. And, and they take great. I, and I, we take enorm- enormous pride in them. I th- so if you have any interest, by the way, anyone listening to this, because it, it's always amazing, it's like, well, I just heard about the Battlestar auctions. It's like, what fucking rock <laughs> on fucking, you know, <laughs> know, Epsilon 28 have you fucking been living under? If if you are a fan and you've discovered this podcast of any of the following properties, Ron Moore's Battlestar Galactica, the Iron Iron Man, Iron Man 2, Two? Star Trek in all of its iterations, Kevin Smith's universe, the Star- Viewisk universe. Or Stargate. Stargate in any of its iterations. Right. Go to PropWorks.com and check out their auction catalogs, all of which you still have for sale. Ex- with the exception of the first two Battlestar auctions, which are now in two short yeah, we don't supplies. have we have so very even, we only yeah we have enough for we ourselves. We have archival copies, yeah. and that's it. They can just email us at info at propworks because the catalog sales aren't up on the site right now. We're redoing that. Okay, um, but uh, yeah, just but you've e- got to see these catalogs, folks. They're fucking amazing. And thank hey, you. Rob. Yeah, we they yeah, really we, are. We, I, I am, and I am in awe because. Um, although I manage the whole process, I mean, Damaris Deegan does the layouts. Yeah. Um, and, uh, we have a great printer Man. who, a great, a phenomenal printer. We get them free. We finally started getting them. I hate to say we're outsourcing to China now, but once we went to hardcover, in order to be able to afford to do it, we had to send them to China and, yeah. but they do amazing work. Our new printer is out of this world. That's great. And we're real happy about, so, so getting back to the Star Trek auction, I, and we should yeah. backtrack even more is, how did this all start? <laughs> and it started in 2006 when I went to the Christie Star Trek auction. Now the legendary Christie Star Trek auction, probably the greatest studio uh, sale in history. And can I can I take it back just a sec? Yeah, um, give me 60 seconds to take it yeah. even further back. All right, folks. So Les Moonves, who runs CBS for Sumner Redstone, who is the chairman of the board of Viacom, which owns both CBS and Paramount. As multi, most of these multinational conglomerates now own a movie studio and a TV network. Um, Sumner Redstone puts Les Moonves in charge of CBS. Les Moonves comes into his office on the first day, sits down at his desk, gets out a clean sheet of paper and a pen, and says, okay, things I want to do here at CBS. Number one, I hate Star Trek. <laughs> so let's do this. Number 1A. Cancel Star Trek Enterprise. Number 1B, go through every closet, lockup, storage unit, on-site or off-site, uh, uh, at, over at CBS Television City here in Los Angeles, 
or on the Paramount lot on Melrose, the historic Paramount lot, find any Star Trek asset of any type, any artifact, costume, set deck, prop, paper prop, hand prop, you name it, and get it out of here. And let's find an auction house or houses, as the case turned out to be, who will handle the sale, the total liquidation of every, literally with the exception of, before the J.J. movie, with the exception of a single old-style, like, <laughs> French Navy costume, naval from generations. costume from generations, which was literally, again, before the J.J. movie, was literally the only piece of Star Trek left in the Paramount archive was a single Picard, Picard naval, naval costume, costume, which yeah. was probably only, was probably not sold because it looked like it, it could have been used in hilariously Captain Horatio Hornblower. Yeah, right. They probably held on to it because they thought it was from something else. They had to make room for all of Julie Chen's new shows. Who's that? Best <laughs> Moon vs. His Wife. Oh, so who's got like five yeah. shows who, on CBS. Who hosts? Who hosts? Ho- talk, and she used to She host, was, used to be on what? Like Good Morning America. Good Morning Wonder America, and now she's on a spinoff, and then she hosted Big Brother. She's hosted every show on CBS yeah. in the last and, like, And you keep years. looking at those shows and going, why is Julie Chan hosting this? Because she's married to Les Moon. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, so Les said, I sent out the, uh, the old Wallaka Kane to yank Enterprise off stage and draw down the curtain and sell off every Star Trek asset. The Sandman from the Apollo came through the Paramount just and just went, fucking just yanked. yanked them off. They exactly. all touched the stump as they were leaving. And- exactly. Um, and that's where... So Christie's was chosen right. to handle world what you would famous. call the major... Yeah, world-famous right. Christie's auction house uh, was, was selected to handle the auction for... The major costumes, the major props. It was a the, thousand lots. The miniatures, the Enterprise yeah. oh, miniatures, God, yeah. one of which Ben Stiller bought. Yeah, and it was a thousand lots. It was a, a two-volume auction catalog, which is very rare, mm-hmm. but it was incredibly well done, the auction catalog. It went on for a the nation, time, for that worldwide time. tour. For Yeah, this is 2006 now. It went on a worldwide tour. It was at Comic-Con. I saw it. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, you went to Europe. A select grouping of assets were so like, sent on yeah, tour. Yeah, very, very, very small group. They uh-huh. might have a dozen at each. And, um, and then it was a three day, again, you know, virtually, uh, 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 very rare. Right. And, uh, three day auction. And I went up to it and it was one of the best, From most a, fun we were in my life. You still living in Hotlanta. I was in Hotlanta. I flew up to New York. Mm-hmm. I was, uh, and I was just starting, um, I, uh, at that point I had just left auction works, market works and was starting another company. So I was so broke. Right. And, uh, but I went up there with a, a budget and with a, a goal of the two costumes I wanted. And there were, the, the catalog was amazing. It was just like the Star Trek fans wish list. You can still uh, buy that catalog on eBay. Absolutely. They're they $50 printed them in for, such yeah. unbelievable quantity. You'll they, be able to get those for the, for the next 100 years on eBay. Oh, for, they printed, I think they printed 10,000 is what yeah. I think I remember. But anyway, yeah, you can get them. And they're worth having any Star Trek fan. And you can, can, can you get, Let's like drill down because this is what this podcast is all about is drilling the fuck down. Did they release that catalog in multiple editions? Two editions, the two volume paperback and a two volume hardcover slipcase edition, uh-huh. which they sold with a, a, a disc that had like a 10 minute featurette on it, which was weak. But Do you uh, own one of those? Of course. I got the last one that Christie's had. Really? Literally, I was in New York on, on a trip and I called them up and they said, we have one left. 
Wow. And I drove, I literally parked my car on the street, which is right outside Rock Center, because their office is across the street Center. from Rockefeller Center. Rock. Ran in, told the guy, hey, watch my car. I ran in, picked it up, <laughs> and, and it cost $500 for the limited edition. I think they only made a hundred of them. Wow. And it is a beautiful, as a lenticular cover, and it's Numbered. a hard cover. And yeah. And so it, it, it was, you know, first I've never seen that in your office. I'd love oh, to it's see it. Oh, it's at home in my book collection. Got it, got it. Uh, so yeah. And, and then the auction itself was three days. Well, do you of, want to tell the rest of the story? Of when you went back out and your car was stolen? <laughs> <laughs> Rental. <laughs> you bought the insurance. You bought the yeah, liability. Exactly. Who gives I a shit? I knew I was going to New York. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so th- I went to that auction and, uh, and, and I have a great story, but that is my, I, I met everyone. And at that auction it was my first introduction to the hobby. So right. I met all the guys from the prop store of London. Right. Um, Andy Gould, Bill Bayless, Dave Erbley, who are, are, are all great guys, good friends. They're all collectors. All, all collectors who had, uh, who were all there to buy stuff. Right. Um, and, and Christie's, as I've, as I've heard it told, is not unlike the Colosseum in Rome and that the action happens down on the floor, but they actually have, did I hear this correctly? They actually have like, Sky boxes. Yeah, they that's overlooking right. the action. Prop store had thumbs a, a up, little thumbs down, sky. Kill that gladiator. Had, yeah, had a little sky box, uh-huh. and uh, you couldn't bid from it. You had to go downstairs if you were going to do floor bidding. Okay, but it was like a little courtesy suite, and it, right. you know, and uh, Stephen, but literally overlooking the overlooking, auction. Literally, yes. Literally How many stories on the inside of Christie's? It, I presume it's Christie's main auction gallery space or oh, whatever. Yeah, and it How was, many stories on the inside? Well, I don't know. The, the, it was, you know, it was a, it was the inside had obviously two stories because there was a skybox. Just that, two. Yeah. It's not like Staples Center. No, it was okay. a small, and it was small. I think. Hey, it's Christie's. They, it was probably. Yeah, I don't know. The floor bidding floor was probably. You're thinking Sotheby's, man. That place can hold like thirty five thousand. Is that true? Can it really? U two's playing there next week. No, I haven't. No. <laughs> <laughs> At Sotheby's, really? <laughs> They're gonna auction off all the instruments right after yeah. the show. So, uh, for age and relief. And exactly. they tell, and of course they were they were uh, they webcast the entire auction. Right. Beginning to end. So that was the first introduction. Um, and or then, was it just panning cameras? It was, it was, was uh, it hosted? no, it was just panning cameras. Uh huh. And then, um, and then it was made into a History Channel special, which I keep hearing people say, Hey, Alec, I saw you on TV on this, the History Channel special because they keep repeating it. Um, wow. which was really a, re- it was a two hour special hosted by Leonard Nimoy uh-huh. about the history of Star Trek interviews with all the fans, but it, in, it kind of integrated the Christie's auction. Okay. Into that. And then, um, and it was just a blast. And I, and I went there with a modicum of money in my pocket and, and I wanted two things. I wanted Cisco's, uh, Captain Cisco from Deep Space Nine. I wanted his co- costume. Played by Avery Brooks. Right. And First African American Starfleet captain. Yep. And, uh, and I happen, he happens to be my favorite What's captain. What's the guy in Khan? Well, he's not African American, Matt Cohen. Oh, no. he's talking about Paul Winfield, the one who gets the thing in his ear yeah. with Chekhov. Paul Winfield, well, who's, that's, who's that's the captain of the Reliant. Yes, yeah, so yeah, yeah, he would be the first on-screen Starfleet captain. Boom! Yes, the fucking <laughs> novice <laughs> just Cohen. Pulled that out. Wow, whoa, 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 whoa. Cohen! That's <laughs> impressive you, trivia, man. <laughs> um, I was like, well, and we're not talking captain? about the first African American <laughs> Starfleet captain in in the. Canon. No, or, you're just talking. We're just talking featured. on screen, right? Because there you were went no from black Kirk, captains. Yeah, you in went from TOS. No, it went Pike, nope. Kirk, Picard. Uh, see, I'm I get fucked. I don't know after that. The lady, 
right? Yeah, Janeway. 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 And then your boy Bacula, right? And then, and then yeah. Bacula. Yeah, yeah and my that, new and best friend. Order. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I wanted Cisco's costume and then I wanted, uh, I wanted Captain Sulu's costume. That was from that the was Excelsior. A, from the Excelsior. What? Which let me ask you. From um, Star Trek Six, the undiscovered. What? How? Do, how would you display? How do you display costumes in a frame flat? No, you, you just have these things called costumers, which are basically a rack, and you put a. Depending on the costume, you either use a mannequin if it's something that needs a mannequin to fill it out. Okay. But Starfleet uniforms happen to work great with uh, costume forms, which are like vacuum-formed half forms of a torso with a hanger sticking out of the neck, and you just hang it up, and it looks great. And we we learned oh, that cool. from Christie's because Christie's displayed them that way, and that prop works. We've adopted it, and. Uh, and, and that's the way we just. I could never figure out how to have people uh, display clothing like that. Yeah, you know that, I mean? that's yeah. how to do it. Yeah, we can. And can always show you. Can always, can always send you a link. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we went there, and I won the Cisco costume for five grand. Wow. Uh, you know, which comes out to like six. Hero. Hero. That's crazy yeah. that you prevailed for that costume for only five grand at Christie's during. Yes. The, given <clears throat> the media attention and the. The pop culture attention yeah. around those auctions. And Avery Brooks was that there. That seems low. Doesn't that seem low to you now looking back? Yeah, it does. You know, the thing about the Christie's auction was it was hard to, it, it was hard to know what was, what was strong and what wasn't. Mm-hmm. There, uh, there are things I look back at now and I go, Oh man, they're never going to get their money back on that, what they paid. Well, Such I mean, as- there's, oh my gosh, uh, geez, hmm, what, what would be some of the things? I think there were smaller things right now, that I were like not going, hmm, uh, what did I buy? God, what was something that, that uh, someone really overpaid for, but uh, I don't know that person, so I can actually talk about yeah, it. Yeah, I know. As opposed to a friend Believe of yours me, I hear about sh- it. Took a shit. Because I write the blog, StarTrekProps.com, which is all about collecting Star Trek props and costumes. Screen and let me just ask you very briefly, in the wake of the, the Christie's auction and then the It's a Wrap auctions, which we'll talk about briefly, is your blog, be honest, you're on the record, is your blog... However many years later now. Five. The sole active online reference and or community around Star Trek props and costumes. There's one other or blog. Or merely the leader. Yeah, there's one other blog my friend Gerald Gurian starts, okay. started, which is really focuses much more on TOS costumes and props. Okay. That's really his focus. Right. Um, and uh, and he's pretty regular about it. Um, mm-hmm. He's a collector in, in in Las Vegas. Right. But I also started the forum, which has you know like fifteen hundred members now. So pretty much. Where's your online archive of everything that's sold during Christie's and it's a wrap? That you can access that through StarTrekProps.com, which is your site, which is my blog, which is your blog exactly. There's so you would have to on. say that all these years later, your blog. Is still the place to go. It's the place to go yeah. in terms of Star Trek props and costumes. Yeah. What, going into that auction, did everyone assume, uh, like Kirk's chair, a tricorder? What, what, what were the things that were expected to sell the highest? Kirk's chair did, didn't even. No, come they up. didn't have a. They had a. They had a a chair. They had a Kirk's chair that was from Trials and Tribulations. Right. That our friend Adam Schneider bought. Right. Um. It, it was a stand-in chair. It was never sat in by Kirk. Uh, that sold for like $24,000, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, $21,000 plus premium. And, uh, but the big things Buyers were the ships. Folks. The, the because miniatures. they had all the main miniatures. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and the Enterprise D, the main filming miniature 
for from Star, Star Trek, Trek the, the Next Generation. Generation sold for half a million dollars. Wow. Yeah. Um, so that's crazy, man. Yeah. And then, then, so yeah, so those were the items. Everyone was that knew the, those was were that the highest price for those auctions? That was the yeah. That was the, that was the highest. The Enterprise price. D miniature. The Enterprise D miniature, followed by the Enterprise A miniature, went for half that, went for a quarter million. Which is the Enterprise A miniature is actually from Star Trek the Motion Picture, Picture. all the way through Star Trek Six. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Uh huh. And then, um, uh, by the way, so which one did Ben Stiller buy? The A. Who bought the D? Do I we believe know? it's Paul Allen. Right. Okay. That has not yet been confirmed. Right. Um, and I know those guys real well, and, and I know Deborah, who's his assistant. Right. <laughs> Something like that maintains its value regardless of the market, right? Not necessarily. It's tough. Is it, it like it, comic books where it, it's dependent on just the general population's taste for it at that time? Because you would think that's such a unique, one-of-a-kind kind of... You know, the, well, the market, you know, it's interesting. So th- that was the 40th anniversary of Star Trek, and that auction had so much hype around it. I mean, a year's worth of hype. It was on Good Morning America and, and just all the, you know, that kind of level of hype. So it got people from all over the world. I mean, people literally from all over the world flew in for this auction and went back with containers full of stuff. Yeah. Um, including Martin Netter in Germany. Martin, there's a guy in Sweden who was the a big stockbroker. Yeah. So th- there were big guys. So would that, um, come up again? Would it do as well? Um, possibly. It's hard to say. I think there's a certain level of the market that's risen um, for things. Uh, the recent profiles in history sales, some TOS stuff got stupid prices. Um, uh, but, you know, now you're talking about how many people can afford a half a million dollar well, That's model. what I mean. Is Paul, let's say it was Paul Allen. Does he buy that to keep it forever? Oh, yeah. I He's mean, never selling he'll stuff. He'll never sell that no, no, and leave no. it to his He's, family. It's, that in his, in, it's in his collection. Which, when he dies, will probably museum. go to the Sci-Fi Museum, which he endowed. Which is um, now, if you're if you want to look that up, is actually just called the EMP in Seattle. In Seattle, EMP slash yeah. SF, isn't it? Well, no, it used SFM? to be called the e- when it was created. It was it was the to house Mr. Allen's rock and roll twin collection. collections, yeah. which were his rock and roll collection, the world's largest and most comprehensive collection of Jimi Hendrix artifacts, as well as music from the Pacific Northwest, including all the grunge scene. But also then, Paul Allen himself got into collecting when he bought the, what is thought to, well, it's certainly a, a captain's chair from the original series, TOS. Right. Um, it, it may or may not be a stunt. Yeah, there were, and this is, and this is the big thing. That was sold as the captain's chair. Right. And even his people now will tell you, it's not the chair. It's one of two. There were yeah. two chairs that Paramount had. This was one of them. Right. And it was saddened by Kirk. Right. You know, it, it looks like it was probably the one used in, I, I believe they said it was the one used in the cage. And it was funny because collectors would tell me this. Very knowledgeable collectors would say, well, that's not the real chair. That's not the main one. I go, really? Right. And I, and so there was some confirmation from the sci-fi people about that who. Right. We could talk about the Battlestar, uh, dis- uh, display they have now. But it is still one. I, where's the other one? No one knows. No one knows. Yet. But it'll surface. And that one what sold for a quarter what million. If it's, uh, James Doohan had hot hands, man. That shit wound up in well, his hand. What if it's dust? I could be. What were they made of? Could be wood. Oh, so it's probably wood, dust. fiberboard, all that, all the good stuff. There's no shelf yeah. life. Yeah, yeah. No, it's probably somewhere, and we just don't know about Had it. Had you collected any movie props growing up, other than Trek? Like, was this your first on-screen stuff? Funny you should ask. And you too, I'm curious. Uh, yeah. Your first movie collect memorabilia. Oh, Jack's collection. got probably got I'll more. I'll tell you history. what the first one was. It wasn't. It was from uh, 
I'll come, I'll go back and tell you what okay. it was, but it wasn't anything that I had any personal interest in. Oh, mine's a short story. My, the first movie prop I bought was from Profiles in History in 1996. It was a lawgiver pistol from Judge Dredd. That's awesome. I bought that. And then the first costume I bought From the was Judge Dredd movie starring Sylvester, Sylvester Stallone, Stallone. Which is about to right. be rebooted. Right. Starring with Carl Urban. Bones Urban, himself. Who plays McCoy in yeah. J.J.'s Star Trek universe. Yeah. And then the first costume I bought was I bought one of the Captain America costumes from the old, awful, Reb Brown TV movies That's from awesome. the 80s. But it's... Got the motorcycle helmet, and it's it's in it's complete and it's awesome. So that Who'd was the first that through. Oh, sorry, who did you buy that through? eBay. It was on uh, eBay, and I won it for like a pittance, thirty five hundred bucks at the time. And that's right. certainly a ten thousand dollar costume now. Right. I know our mutual friend Shannon's after me that and after me for that. Was this always thing. something you had? What up, in Shannon? And you, well, you go first actually, then I'll ask. What was your first prop, dude? The first. Prop I ever bought was Bluey the Clown from FX2, which uh, my partner Bill Condon wrote but did not direct. Was hired to write actually by Dodi Fayed, who was the other passenger in the car uh, with Princess Diana and right. was killed. Wow. Was her boyfriend at the time? Um, Son of the owner of Harrods. That's right. Um, Muhammad Al Fayed. I, I believe so, yeah. yeah. And, um, Dodi Fayed was the producer on the FX franchise, which was only two movies, but FX was, uh, was a movie with, uh, Brian Brown and Brian Dennehy in oh, the mid 80s. Which was a big, it was, uh, yeah, I don't it was know if it was a hit, hit but, time, so yeah, they was, hired, they, like you know, movie. the first one was successful enough to merit a second. They hired Bill to write the sequel. In the sequel, Bill creates this, or Bill created this character of Bluey the Clown, which was sort of a, animatronic clown that uh brian brown could control uh remotely wirelessly and um i thought it would be fun to have in the house here and uh tracked it down through the guy who made it who was also responsible for making uh johnny five from short circuit nice um and trying to think of his name and um fisher stevens <laughs> Boom. Um, Eric Allard. And, uh, went, did the deal, uh, with my friend Adam Cook, brought it back here, sat it in a stool that we used to have over by the, um, kitchen counter, waited for Bill to come home. Uh, we were able to cross, uh, the clown's legs and everything because of the specific sort of posable dummy that, uh, this collector had the, um, Costume and head mounted on. Bill walked, walked in, came around the corner, saw it, was sort of startled, taken aback. Um, you always get a big reaction by surprising him and thought it was like, what's a clown doing sitting on that stool? And then, then was like, Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> then he got what it was. <laughs> and hel hilariously, his line on it was, um, he said, Oh my God. Even if I had a, uh, even if I had offices on a studio lot with some sort of overhead deal, which he hasn't had for like 20 years, even if I had offices on a studio lot, I would still not bring this in. <laughs> it was the low point of my career. <laughs> That's awesome. So now, but my attitude is, you know, Bill 
is um, like 12 years older than I am. So my when my friends come up to the house, which used to happen a lot more years ago than it does now, and we would have our Oscar party, which used to happen like years ago and hasn't happened for years, my attitude was it would be fun to have a lot of props. It would oh, be yeah. fun to have props around here from Bill's movies yeah. that are more meaningful to my friends, like Bluey the Clown from FX2, right. which my friends may have grown up watching on HBO, um, or you know the hook from the Candyman sequel that Bill was hired to direct but did not write. And uh, <laughs> so I've, I've gathered those over the years. So the first prop I ever bought was a prop from a movie that Bill wrote. That's cool, man. Did you... Uh, before did you, I ever bought one for myself. Because I'm, I'm, I'm as big as a film buff as the next guy, but I... It's what people want in a, Holly, in a house in Hollywood. They want yeah. to see fucking props. Yeah. For some reason, I never got... I don't, I don't think, I don't own any props. I own some, I own a lot of original animation cells and stuff like that, uh-huh. but I, I don't have. You don't have anything from any of Kevin's movies? I do. Stuff from Cop Out, stuff I've worked on. Okay. And I actually wanted to buy something from the auction. Uh, from, from the, the Kev- PropWorks produced the, Kevin Smith prop yeah, costume uh, auction. Yeah, weird personal Which story. is called Kevin Smith Sells Out. Which totally. Which is great. great um, the Viewers Universe Garage Sale. So, yeah. There was, uh, in Dogma, one of the Stygian triplets has a Hellboy t-shirt on. And okay. I had not heard of Hellboy until I saw the film. And Hellboy has henceforth become like my favorite character of all time. Oh, so that fine. t-shirt so introduced I, you to Hellboy. Exactly. So I wanted that that's t-shirt. Cool. And I was like, there's no way that. I was like, oh, I'm not going to fucking bid. I've never done an auction before. It sold for like 45 Five dollars. Oh, Come dude. on, Matt Cohen. I swear to God, I was like my fucking. Li- like I almost wanted. Oh. To- I called. I called uh, Ming immediately. I was like, find out who bought that shirt for me. Get me an email address. Like, right. I'm like I would try to secondary market that shit. I just gave and up on it. No, uh, I never. I never. I was like, fuck. It, it wasn't meant yeah, to be. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't meant to be. But uh, what are you offering for that shirt on the on this podcast it was right a, now? I, Live there, on the air. What are you offering for that shirt? I'll throw some hundies at it. Maybe we'll have some to hundies. Some hundies. This okay. is like Bill. He paid fifty we bucks. These, I mean. um, these so-called Overman pod chairs downstairs that are in the TV room. Right. Uh, a friend of Bill's, another gay dude who's into sort of mid-century and modern, you know, furnishings, told him about these chairs. They'd be perfect for that TV room in your new house. This is like 10, 11 years ago. Bill said these chairs are on eBay. Can you get these for me or whatever? And if you won. The, the auction was for a single chair, but the winner of that auction would, the, would have the option to purchase two additional chairs for a total of three at, at the winning price right. each, right? So going on eBay with Bill Condon, I'm like, well, I, what, so what's your top dollar? What's your maximum that you'll pay for each of these chairs? You know, and I can't remember even what the number, let's say it's a hundred, it's, it's a hundred dollars. So it's like, well, all right, so if I lose if I lose these chairs for a hundred and one dollars each, are you going to be down with that or which? No, no. I mean, I pay one hundred and one. It's like okay, <laughs> it's like you have to know numbers. Each number has Absolutely. an emotional value to Absolutely. you. I'm not going to go to seven because seven feels steep. It needs to stay at six. I'm bad. I'm Maybe so I'll meet bad you in the middle. Maybe shit, we though. won't. But like, you need I- to. So what are you offering for that fucking T-shirt? Two hundred bucks. Would you pay two hundred? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, would you yeah. pay three hundred bucks? Uh, yes, but it's also being based on what he paid for it. Like I would have had. Okay, I don't want to give out my price, but it was higher than what I would have emotionally. So paid if for I go it. to the guy and say, "Look, you bought this shirt for fifty bucks," he's offering two hundred. Yeah. That's cool with you. Yeah, yeah. All right, absolutely. we'll do that. Um, we'll see if we can get you. See, that my problem, my about the follow through. Call Jared. My yeah. problem with, Jared. with with keeping because I get that mentality. It's like you've got to know your price. But I just participated in my first auction a few months ago, 
and I had my price, and it got to like an hour. What was this auction? Hot stuff number one, like a CGC nine point eight. I'm obsessed with devils. Okay, hot, who who was selling it? Uh, comic vine. It was some comic book online auction house. Okay. Um, you know, hot stuff. The Harvey character, like he's, sure. a, he's yeah. the little, little devil. devil. It was a number. It was the it was the most pristine uh copy around in circulation of the first issue from like 1953 or whatever. Well, that's okay. been the tallest smidgen in town. So I had my price. I had my price. I had my price. An hour before what I was, was about to price? win, uh, I had it at four thousand. Four thousand dollars. I wound up paying fifty five hundred for it. Oh, but you prevailed. But you ha- you prevailed. I prevailed because an hour before someone gouged me up, and I was like, "Fuck it, I'm going all in." <laughs> I was like, "I need this guy." I've already fucking dedicated. Like, if I was going to pay that much, let me pay this much. You but, know what I mean? Okay. So the key question then is, do you regret spending that much money? No, not at all. No, and you ne- and that is one of and the I key- never will. And I mean, that is yeah, one yeah. of the key lessons is that. I have overpaid for stuff. I have a tricorder I got from Profiles in History and Jack, Jack was there and I, and I bid my max. I had to bid my max. $10,000. The most ever, tri- uh, the for most ever paid for a tri- Star Trek tricorder. But you have when a I bought tri- that when we went to the Profiles auction a year That's and a half right, ago. Profiles and you have a history. fucking tricorder though. Right? And you know what? I've never regretted spending yeah. that much money because you can take that tricorder and it's the last tricorder it's, you see in Voyager. It's the one the doctor uses, Robert Picardo's character and, and I've showed it to him because he's a friend. And it opens up, and it opens up like this magic light show. <laughs> and you're just like, it's full of oh, what uh, oh, this is so cool. and Lucas used to call winky blinkies. Oh, total winky blinkies. And they still work blinkies. and stuff. It works. Wow, and it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. And that's the most I've ever, yeah, not the most I've ever spent, but that was overpaying, and that was me knowing I was overpaying. And I and it hit my max. Uh and I, I don't, I don't regret it. You don't, you don't but regret you still overpaying for those pleasure items. from it. Yeah. As opposed to other things, which you might be selling. Yeah. In your forthcoming Star Trek auction from your massive Star Trek collection. Right. And why are you selling them? Quote, because they don't sing to me anymore. That's right. And that Unquote. totally makes, that completely makes sense. You to get me. it. Yeah. You have it. You have it in your house. You get used to having it around and. If there's no emotional it's resonance, not what you thought it would be. It yeah. doesn't mean what you thought it would mean to you. So, and as I always say, now is the perfect time to say. I always say a collection, and it doesn't matter. I collect comics. I collect Captain America comics. I actually have the third best CGC graded Silver Age Captain America collection. Nice. <laughs> um, whatever it is, a collection is like a bonsai tree. It grows, you trim it, it grows, you trim it, and you're always trying to get that perfect shape, yeah. that zen where you go, oh my God, it's perfect. And you'll never and get that, it, just like the tree. It and doesn't what, you're, what you're also hoping for is, as you're trimming it, not to r- do anything that you end up regretting. Yeah, of course. Fuck. I mean, and how many times have I talked to people who are like, yeah, I sold that, I wish I hadn't have sold that, and it's just like, well... Were you drunk or high? I feel, like, yeah. sold thing, that? I feel like a lot of times people do that because of the money later attached to it. They're like, oh, I can't believe I sold that years ago and now it's worth this much. But it, it was like you didn't sell it because you were you were hoping for a college fund. You didn't dig it at the time. Yeah. You, was, wouldn't yeah. Have, you wouldn't have dug or, it in the eight years. I know years people who didn't four. dig it at the time, but now they're sentimental and nostalgic. Oh, totally. I mean, yeah, yeah. And they're like, my mom, my mom gave away my entire, now. my mom gave away my entire childhood. Like I had every yeah, Ninja every Turtle. Every mom did. I had every Ninja Turtle toy of all time. Oh, yeah. I had, what you know what I mean? Do. Yeah. My mom's yeah, exactly. That's, what they that's do. the old story. But and that's absolutely true. I have fortunately I don't think I've ever sold anything and regretted selling it. Right. I don't now there and there have been a couple items I regret not going all out for winning though. 
there, you know, there, there are a couple times I go, oh, I wish I had just sucked it up and spent the money, you know, because well, especially, some- but, but as you and I often discuss, it's like you feel that way partly because you know what it closed at, you know what it went right. for, yes. but Finally. what you don't know is how big the war chest was of the motherfucker who won it who was easily willing to, you don't know, it, it's like, why didn't I go to 10? It's caught. It's just if I'd gone to 10, it's like, if you'd gone to 10, he was ready to go to 18. Right, exactly. And you're never going to know that. Yeah. You're and then, which brings that. up the other story, which we have to tell since it's you and me, yeah. and it's Star Trek, and that's yeah, and speaking, going, speaking going to devil. Heritage Auction House <laughs> a year ago. And in the, Beverly Hills. In Beverly Hills. And it was a, 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 it was a Hollywood memorabilia auction, and it had a Captain Kirk maroon. So any Star Trek collector knows the maroon, maroon jackets, jacket. Okay. The jackets, the uniforms from Star, that started in Star Trek 2. the breast with a clasp that's yep. sort of close Robert to Fletcher shoulder. designed classic it's introduced every, in star trek 2 worn through star trek 6 and then even referenced in like the all roughly, the costuming yeah, yeah. for star trek the next generation it's all maroon on the top and yeah. and black it's it's sort of the the 20 what century does next 23rd. generation take place 24th in? it's the 24th generation yeah. reference or you know yeah it's, it's, it's the predecessor reference and it's the one everyone and in collecting circles it's the one everyone wants first season tos there were wacky colors up in the mix right meant to meant to make you feel good about how great the color was on your television on your brand new color television yeah, yeah. set because they were like in lime your green room, right here in your living room yeah yeah, yeah. yeah because in the in the Salt first pilot colors. for star trek the cage which the pi- was with pike yeah, with yeah. pike there, you'll notice there was no red on that bridge. And one of the things they said when they went back and we did it, it's too intellectual, whatever they said, and add more color to that bridge we so we can sell more color TVs. Yeah. And yeah. that's where you got red shirts and red, you know, red on the bridge. The doors became red. The railing yeah. became red. So, but anyway, back to it. So anyway, back to our story about we go to Heritage and I want the Kirk Maroon. Now right. I have a Captain Kirk costume because the story we never finished was at Christie's. I never got this to buy the, to bid on the Sulu, which wound up going for thirteen thousand, way outside of my budget, because I wound up getting a Captain Kirk costume from Star Trek: The Motion Picture. Um, uh, thanks, and partly to Andy Gould, my good buddy from the UK, who was egging me on. But it went for a ridiculous cheap price. This was his jumpsuit that he wears in the last scene of Star Trek: The Motion Picture. Is that and true? I, and I got it. Yeah, and it's I the got the last scene. It's the last scene. It's what Where he wears like when he gets away? back from V'ger. Or no, am I thinking of another? Yeah, yeah. When he gets back from V'ger after uh, everything happens, he's wearing this jumpsuit. What do you mean everything? Bridge. What do you mean everything happens? We're talking about Star Trek: The Motion Picture. <laughs> yeah, <right? I> think- <laughs> <laughs> what happens in that fucking? Movie? The very little stuff <laughs> yeah, that yeah. happens yeah. in that movie. Some when that little scene happens, get whacked in the opening scene. Yeah, that's about, um, about it. So I, I got the I, I got whoa, the jumpsuit. Whoa, whoa. So. That last that costume that you have or had, did you sell that one? Still have it. All right, that one is him on the bridge. On the bridge in the last shot of the movie. In the last shot of the movie. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it is cool. And and what happened was it came up and no one was bidding on it. It was because like it at was two thousand dollars and everyone and I'm like, up, uh, I'll bid on and, and I raise I'm, I raise my pal, I'll, I'll bid. Yeah. And it gets up to like thirty. I think it was at thirty two fifty. I, I may be wrong on the numbers. I was I bid three thousand. Someone bids thirty two fifty, and I'm like, oh, I gotta save my money for that Sulu. Uh-huh. And Andy Gould leans over to me and goes, "It's a Kirk." Yeah. And I go, oh, "You're right, thirty five hundred. Right. And I don't get outbid, and I win a Captain wow. Kirk costume 
it's the cheapest Captain Kirk uniform ever to sell for thirty five hundred bucks. From the, the first suit, movie. From the first movie. Now my bid now my budget for the Christie's auction was ten grand. I had spent five on the on the on the Cisco. Already. Already. So I, I spend you know, so to all told my bill was like thirteen thousand dollars The Sulu wound up going for thirteen I think it was thirteen thousand, which was way outside of my budget, so I felt good. How do you I feel felt about like, that price now on that Sulu. I would pay it in a heartbeat. You would? In a heartbeat. You think yep. that's a good price? I do for Sulu's for the Sulu costume I do. Okay. I think because uh, Sakati just went for eight, but the Sulu costume I think is more important okay. and looks better. Um, so anyway, I have a Kirk in my collection, probably worth ten grand now. So the Kirk Maroon comes up at Heritage, and, and Jack and I go. Jack, uh, Jack and I both being auction whores, anything of interest we'll go and and see. And he loves seeing me spend money on on at auctions. Yeah. So we go and we bid, and my b- top bid to. is twenty five grand. That's I'm like. That's what it went for at Christie's. A similar maroon went for twenty five grand at Christie's. This one this is a nice not, one. not to be clear. This was not a Christie's recycle. Recycle. This uh, was not a resale of a Christie's. No, this was another one that had been retasked for Leon Rusum playing the Starfleet C and C in Star Trek Six. What so, C and C stand for? Uh, Commander in Chief. Okay. Uh, um, and uh, so it's is got, that of the entire fleet? Yeah, like so he's that, the head of Starfleet. Is that who Tyler Perry plays in the JJ one? Uh, uh, that that yeah <laughs> is it no he no because he's playing like that, that's kind of like some ambiguous Starfleet command okay the board of inquiry so yeah he's the head of that board of inquiry okay but, but there yeah. is a head of the entire of fleet. Starfleet okay yeah yeah there there is just like the chief you know it's just like whoever's the 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 chief, chief of police of, or whatever or, no, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so um so that's my bid is my bid is twenty five and and I know that with premium it's going to be thirty I'm going to sell the Kirk for ten that I have I'm going to have to come up with twenty grand I feel I can do that this is you know yeah. a year a year and a half ago everybody so, it, so many of the people listening to, to you right now think that you're I'm, I'm like a grotesque a, pig. Yeah, I'm like a junior Mitt Romney. 1%. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. I'm not because I, you know, I'm, These I, I'm one of those. These in the middle of a recession. Yeah, so uh, it's a rich man's hobby. It is a rich man, and this was the top to end of. This is like this would have been me spending more money than I've ever spent in my life on a on a proper costume, and um, and I would have had to sell some other things for it. So we get there, and the bidding starts, and there's one other guy who we don't know at that time. Correct. And he's bidding along with a known Star Trek collector who I know. Right. And he's and he's out at about I want to say he was out at fifteen or eighteen. I think that's right. No, I think he was out at fifteen, 15. meaning he put his paddle down and he stopped bidding. And he at stopped 15, bidding. 000. So it w- and it was me against the internet. Yeah. And it's me or against the internet until it gets to and I get the high bid at twenty five grand. Right. And there's a pause. And there's no more internet bidding. And I'm thinking, I got it. I got you it. Often at find, 20- by the way, in auction stuff that it ends at uh, fives. I don't know. That's interesting. That's possible. I'm not going people over se- five. Because people set their numbers 10. based on. I'm not going over 15, yeah. 20. I don't yeah. think people 25. are like, I'm not spending over forty one hundred and fifty three dollars <laughs> I'm not going over 22. If you're going to do 22, you'll go to 24.9. Of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you will. So at 25, there's that moment there that I think I've got it. And I'm... Um, and for what then, you wanted it. For what I want. For the most I would have paid for it. That's right. right. Most I would have paid for it. And at that point, and we should say it, say that we're in Heritage's office in Beverly Hills. Right in the there's, lobby, which is where they're conducting the There's auction. 20 people in the, you know, because these days everything happens on the internet, but there's about 20 people there. Yeah, it's not Jack and I are bidding. sitting next to each other. And uh, just as I think I'm going to get it, the guy who we don't know 
sitting with Mr. X, as we call him, raises his paddle and outbids me. I'm like, comes back in. Fuck. Comes what, 27? At 27.5. Yeah, so whatever puts the me bidding from him was. Which puts him at 32.5. With buyer's premium. With, uh, without buyer's premium. Okay. Which puts me, at, I think, Don't at 35. State sales tax as well. Yeah, which puts me at 35. I bid 35. Oh, oh, I wasn't going to, but this bastard over here <laughs> is egging me on the whole time. It's I, have a two words He's... For him. I have two words for him that I'm whispering in his ear, little devil, right? Here's the two words. Because <laughs> heritage offers, yes, they do. Installments, yeah, they do. Offered, that offers payment and that plans. is working into my computations. Yeah, because I've used heritage's uh, heritage's payment plan in the past for yeah. some spectacular original comic art that I got. I got the complete, complete fourteen page story to GI Combat number one fifty, wow. the death of the haunted tank. Um, that's another story. So anyway, so I'm thinking, okay, okay, I bid thirty five, and as soon as I bid it, it sinks in what I just did. Because I calculate the buyer's premium at twenty percent, and I know I'm now in at forty-two thousand, and I'm going, holy shit, I am so fucked. Because you've just and basically you can't back out. You can't be like, ah, oh, no, just no. kidding. Oh, no, no, retraction. No. While technically possible, per- permissible, frowned upon. Wow, <laughs> that would be bad. So I'm thinking. I'm sure I, it I go from though, right? going, holy shit. To going, oh please bid. I'm, I'm looking now, at the guy. Now let's just let's just zoom out before we we um, finish the story. Before we finish it off, let's just pull back out and let's just say, as as a leading authority on Star Trek props and costumes, set deck, etc. Um, what is the most and that what made that costume specifically Kirk is that the maroon yes tunic yes was Hero Kirk. So was the shirt. So was the undershirt with the Trapunto collar. Right. Um, the pants Trapunto, were not. Trapunto, motherfucker. <laughs> and the, not you believe the shirt and the tunic were both used in Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Yes. Which is the one. It's not, it's not, you could this tell, is not a fat. No, it's not a fat. Fat Kirk. maroon from Star Trek right. Six. I really felt it's because you could tell based on the size of the costume right. that it was Star Trek Two. Remember, because in Star Trek Three and Star Trek Four, he's really not he doesn't in really, maroons. Now he does wear maroon at the end of Star Trek Four, right? But the difference, but by from, that point, he'd and, already and he's been not in bad shape. The, he's no, he's not in that bad shape, but he's not in Star Trek Two shape, right? Right. Um, so I did felt it come it, with a belt. It came with a belt. It came with come the pin the gr- girdle. <laughs> was came was with all shoes. that stuff? Do you believe all that stuff was matched? Well, again, it was set up for Leon Rusum, who used it in Star Trek VI. Yeah. So the pants were Leon Rusum's. They probably weren't Kirk's. Shatner. We didn't know. We, 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 they weren't Shatner. Yeah. We, did, we didn't know. But at that point, it's really the you, – you, 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 so you discount it a little bit. Yeah. But still, how many of these are out there? Right, and we just know that there there were supposedly two Kirk Maroons in the last profiles in history auction. Yeah, attributed to him in Star Trek Four, the most recent profile. The in most recent profile, both of which <clears throat> we proved, and I say we because the Star Trek community always chips in with their two cents, and right. I simply, you know, I do my Star research Trek and publish prop it. and costume collecting community. Yeah, and we pu- and we basically said these are not Kirk's Maroons. Right, they're, they're they're not, and here's why, and we had a whole, and you don't publish that. Unless you know what you're talking about. And right. I've, many times I've, uh, you know, there's four or five times I've busted profiles in history for bad, bad descriptions or bad misrepresentation. Not intentional, I'm right. sure. 
I always it's say misidentification and they, it's you sloppy. Know. It's sloppiness. It's not intention intentional. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so we felt really strongly that this was a Star Trek II, Wrath of Khan, Kirk Maroon. You had Which done is, your so-called due diligence. I had done my due diligence, and and outside of a Kirk tunic from TOS, this is this is the pinnacle this is of Kirk. The shit. This is Kirk the shit. Maroon from Star Trek Two. So, what's the most really, really? What's the most that you would ever be willing to sink into that specific? It's a it's a tunic and an undershirt, no pants. What's the most that you would ever, even now, like today? What's the you have a million dollars in the bank. You have right. a million bucks in the bank. Yeah. Here one co- here that one thing comes up for resale. Right. What's the most you would put into that no given your sense of what that what that's worth now in the collecting marketplace right. and what that would ever be worth in the future in terms of your ability should you choose to not donate it to a museum in advance of your eventual death um <laughs> but should you choose to or need to resell it What's the most that you would ever value one of those at? Well, so as of this date, yeah, I think, I think, I would think that they're worth in the thirty-five thousand dollar range. I feel pretty. I, I think that that's a total. Uh, yeah, thirty-five. It, total. Thirty-five. Yeah, because the one at Christie's went for twenty-five with buyer's premium. It went for thirty. Okay. So thirty-five. Yeah, I think thirty-five is a pretty reason. I think that's pretty. You paid thirty-five thousand dollars all in, not a penny more. Yeah. Now, if it's if it's a if it's complete, if the pants were Kirk's, well, I would it, say okay, maybe it's maybe it's forty thirty-five to forty. What if they're the boots? pants aren't his boots? You know that you got to add a well, couple that thousand stuff, for that it's too. Like it displays better. Yeah, it's just complete. absolutely. You can always get the boots. And everything is matched. You can still go. Do, everything go is down. hero. Yeah. Um, so, but you know, you always got to figure in what buyer's premium is. And, and in your be. case, yes, California state sales tax. Yeah, exactly. So, so here we are. Okay, so here we are, and you are at the most you would pay. And let's just say that the valuation then is is unchanged. Now is unchanged versus then. Yeah. The most you would ever pay is thirty five, yeah. all in. Yeah. And now you're responsible, given your the paddle that you just uh, raised into the air. You're now responsible for forty two thousand. So. You're seven over what you think you could yes. ever get twenty percent over, yeah. And but more than that, you're over where you said you were going to stop, which was twenty five. Well, I'm way over that, yeah. and I'm thinking now. Even if I sell my Kirk for ten, I'm still into this thing for thirty two. Yeah, which I'm not a rich man, and that is a lot of money. And yeah, I'm going to have to now sell a. I'm going to have to sell more than I thought I was going to have to sell for my Star yeah. Trek collection. Yeah, which maybe you don't want it, to. Which, right. Even on a payment plan, I've still probably got to come up with another 20 right off the bat. Yeah. I'd like to. You know, so I'm thinking this is way out of my league. Yeah. I'm, I've, I've over, you know, and I don't, and, th- and that's good to know. And a lot of, it's good to know beforehand though. <laughs> yeah. But it, a lot of people. You and know, not get wrapped up in the emotionality. Yes. Of my, a, of a which bidding I'm situation usually, where you're bidding in person and other people are turning to look at you. To see whether or not you're going to be a fucking bitch and keep your paddle down, or whether you're going to fucking man up, whip that cock out, and put put that paddle back up in the air and slap that other guy across his face with your schween. <laughs> I don't think of it that way, but okay. But that's what it is but, when you're yeah. on a bit when you're in a live bidding situation. Yeah. That's the danger is you don't want to look like a bitch, so you bid. Right. So now. 
Um, so now my attitude is like, please, God, please raise your paddle because I don't want this at the bid that I just yeah. – that, that my buddy Jack just forced me into. <laughs> Payment plan. <laughs> and, uh, and thank God the guy bids $37.5. And I'm, and I'm off the hook. And I go, that's it. And they look at me and the, the, uh, the, uh, Shonda, who's the, uh, the, the, uh, auctioneer, she looks at me and I'm like, hand across the throat. I'm done. Get that's me out of here. Get me out of here. And, and, and at the same time, I'm thinking that poor schmuck, <laughs> he, he just, and what happens is afterwards he wins it. Afterwards, the auction is over and he comes up to me and, and he says, and he goes, you're Alec Peters, aren't you? Right. (laughs) Which, if you're a Star Trek prop and costume collector, you know who I am. You're aware of Alec Peters. My tiny little bit of microscopic fame, me being the tallest midget in a very small town. Right. And and so um, I go, yeah. He goes, oh, yeah, I read your blog. By the way, midget is offensive. Uh, Oh, I'm sorry. We learned that last week. Yes, yes, that's right. Yeah. Little person. And so, uh, so I say, yeah. And so it turns out he's a collector who... Is a big collector in town, has a lot of He's stuff. He's a big guy in the hobby. Big guy big in the hobby. Big reseller. Big reseller. And, uh, you know, and, uh, so anyway. And now he's into friend. that Kirk Maroon, such as it is, the incomplete Kirk Maroon. He is into that fucker now for. for if he didn't pay tax, let's say he's made he's got a business a, and he's, he's got a tax resale got one license. One of those things, yeah. Yeah. Then he's in for 42. If he paid tax on it, he's now in for 42 plus four. He's probably into it for 46 if he paid tax. Yeah. Um, and that is way, that is rarefied atmosphere in Star Trek. You gotta be talking TOS tunic, you know, Kirk Spock TOS tunic to get yeah. to those, past those prices. Yeah. And, or, or prop, you know, but yeah. in the costume world. So that's a to lot date, of money. As far as we know, he has not attempted to resell this. No. Hasn't shown up in profiles. What's, uh, what's the most, uh, what, 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 out of any prop that you ever sold through your company, what's, can you say what the most you've ever, what the biggest prop has ever been sold? The most expensive? Uh, yeah, like what went for the most amount of money? There was, uh, yeah, we sold uh, an Iron Man. I know Man, what it is. Iron Man 2. That's what it I'm is. I'm sorry, we sold an Iron Man, full Iron Man suit of armor. Hero from, co- hero costume? Uh, it was stunt. It was not hero. Uh, it was a rubber stunt costume. Uh, and uh, we sold that to Peter Jackson for... Uh, I, I remember I this so, now, yeah. Should, should we not say? Should we? I guess we shouldn't say. That's it's If bad. you want to, you can Google but, it, but th- I remember but that, that is the most that is the most we've ever sold. Uh, and uh, I'm very happy to sell it to him, and it was a beautiful piece. We actually had to spend a considerable amount of money restoring it because yeah. when we got it, it was there were pieces missing. It was you know, it was blah 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 blah. Um, and uh, and unfortunately, we 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 uh, restored it and then sold it, and uh, very happy he's uh. going to be putting it in his museum, I guess, in in Zeal- New Zealand. Yeah, the yeah, museum that, 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 that like that, so many collectors, uh. he hopes to eventually open in Wellington a museum. Of- well, it's it's such artifacts. a it's such a specific thing I think the collector mentality right that it's so hard to describe to people like I um have you ever seen uh, Guillermo del Toro's Bleak House like the footage from his home oh no it's on the Kronos DVD it's basically oh, a four story cabinet of curiosities mixed yeah. with uh film He's a big props collector. but everything He's a everything collector. but everything from film props to Fiji mermaids and actual old oddities to first edition occult books from the 13th century to he's got a haunted mansion room where it's literally 
the wallpaper, the flooring. He bought it from Disneyland when they refurbished the ride. Oh wow. my He's got God. the haunted mansion. So when people always ask me like, what would you do if you got a billion dollars? I just go Guillermo del Toro. Like all I want to do is surround and he calls myself. It Bleak House. Bleak House. Yeah. That's great. And he moved his family to another house because that got so That's filled correct. up. Oh my God. All these houses are basically in, in or around, um, Agora Hills. Thousand yeah. Yeah. Oaks. Basically. That's amazing. Up the one but it's, north. it's the single best collection I've ever, cause I'm, I'm weird like that too. I, where, you always talk about declaring a major, and every time you say yeah. that, I feel really bad about myself because I've got like eighty you don't have to. fucking no one majors. Ever said you had to, that's that's just my thing. You know, but it makes major. sense. It would make more sense in my life if I was if I collected one thing as opposed to fucking ninety. Well, yeah. I tell you, you you're a, you're you will learn. It it is it, it is a. I went through that phase too, and have way too much crap that I I've been selling off over the years. And you finally get to a place. Of course, you know, I, I, I just turned 51 last year. And uh, you just come to a place where you go, you know what? I really just like this stuff. And I, and I don't want the clutter. And I want to – and also yeah. I'm big on displaying my collection, too, right? Yeah, yeah. And so you, you wind up and you settle on something. And then you, then you can drill down deep rather than broad. And, 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 you know, and as Jack and I had a long conversation with about yesterday, uh, at some point, Stuff doesn't. You realize that you know all this stuff. The it's the collecting. It's not the stuff. Absolutely, that you get you get that. Yeah. It's the hunt. It's the on, pursuit. On the, it's the search. In yep. the best case scenario, you'll get a couple days. In the worst case scenario, you'll get ten minutes of when you actually get the thing that you've been searching for at your house. You put it on the yeah. shelf. You look at it. You feel that moment of elation. Pleasure. A week later, you're just passing it by like everything else in your house. Or not. Or a week later, you're passing it by and you're continuing to get a charge. Totally. You're continuing to get a And, uh, and those are the good ones. And those are the real, the real right. special ones, right? right? Yeah, yeah. Um, our next door neighbor died recently and... What, Matt Cohen? You were off mic a little bit. I know. You decided to... Maybe I wanted to be off yeah. mic a little bit. Go for it, man. <laughs> um... Our next door neighbor died recently. I had occasion yesterday to have a lengthy conversation with her adult son who's talking about an estate sale, talking about putting the house that he grew up in right there uh, on the market in the spring. And inevitably, it sort of dipped into his last days with his mom. And uh, he said, Jack, let me tell you, it's interesting. It's like when you when you get near the end, not even to the end, when you get near the end, nothing has any value. Oh, yeah, yeah. That literally, out of everything she had in her house, he said, um, the only thing that mattered to her was a photograph of her new grandchild that she had in her hand the whole time. Everything else, crap. I'd like to crap. think that my Eddie Valiant pig face cell will make me happy on my deathbed. Like they'll be like what sale? Sell. I have uh, oh, the sell. deleted scene from Roger Rabbit where yeah, I, yeah, yeah, very yeah, cool. yeah. I bought that at an auction. I like to think right. that like my grandchildren are all huddled around. They're like, "Grandfather, what's your last wish?" And I'm like, "I want some fucking me time with Eddie over there." <laughs> Bring the frame to my deathbed. Well, that, as um somebody else put it to me, I like Roger Rabbit. Um, <laughs> was God? Was it you? It was somebody else recently? Because all this stuff gets talked about all a lot with a lot of people who said, "Well, that's why I've um." He was like, Jack, nieces and nephews. That's why I maintain strong relations with... Oh, someone, we were having this sort of abstract conversation of 
who will be in the room, mm. who will be in, in your yeah. room right. gathered around your deathbed. And that's an interesting conversation for gay dudes and stuff. But, um, um, this person said, uh, that's why I mean, yeah, I'll be childless too, said whoever the hell this was. That's why I maintain close relations with all my nieces and nephews to keep them all on their toes and keep them interested in who's going to get the money. So I say to you, Matt Cohen, the reason that all your kids and grandkids are going to be gathered around your deathbed. Who's going to get the Eddie Valiant? Well, who's going to be quickest <laughs> when, when your grip relaxes a little as your last breath comes up, <laughs> curls up into the air. Are you saying that movie Greed, that movie Greed was actually really poignant? Like with Michael J. Fox and an ensemble comedy cast? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, who's going to get that cell? Or who's going to get, honestly, it's like, you can't be in a position, dude, when you go where they have to bring an industrial-sized dumpster, one of those oh, dumpsters God. Oh, I know, that, takes a, that gets slides down. But it's also that thing of, like, fill with uh, your shit. I always say, like, I, I, I don't actively collect comics anymore. I hardly read comics. I've got, like, 40 fucking long boxes in storage. It's a pretty decent collection. Only 40? <laughs> and I'm, like, I'm, about, I'm ready to sell. However, it's too much work to individually itemize each comic. I wouldn't want to That's do a true. bulk yeah, lot is. fucking thing because it would be a waste. Who knows what's worth what? You're not going to haul it all down. Exactly. So I always, I always say, uh, I'll save it for my, my family. But then, well, but, but then someone eventually brings up the point. Why would your grandkid want 300 issues of a fucking Supergirl right. run from the well, what, 90s? So like, what I do, yeah, so I recently had to do this. I actually, we're well over an hour, folks, and uh, I've already got the hour signal from Matt Cohen. Right. We don't give a fuck. We're rolling. <laughs> we're Wind it down. <laughs> so uh, I recently did this because I uh, uh, decided I needed a will, finally. And I was like, okay, well, and I really thought about it. And so I, what I came up with was... I designated the person in charge of selling my comic book collection, my good friend John Eaton from Atlanta. My, you know, my prop and costume collection was going to, you know, and who got my freaking Warhammer? And so... Um, Alex Obsessions, by the way, just to round off Alec, Captain America, Warhammer, Star Trek. Battlestar, the yep. Ron Moore version, yep. fading out on that a little bit. No, no I'm still... I, well, but, you're not... Not as a collector. Still, yeah. Still love it as Star the greatest Trek. sci-fi of all time. Captain America, Major yep. Matt Mason. Major Matt Mason. You have yeah, a major, Major Matt Mason collection. I, I do, which is a, which for all of you youngins out there is the, uh, 60s action figure. It was the first rubberized wire, uh, uh, wire frame, um, action figure. And it was actually what Mattel came up with to compete with G.I. Joe because back in the 60s, G.I. Joe was the hot boy toy. Yeah. Obviously, Barbie was the hot girl toy. Um, G.I. Joe Hasbro. Barbie Mattel, so Mattel's going, we need a boy toy. And it was the Vietnam War, the they didn't 80s, want another... By the way, I was the hottest boy toy yeah. <laughs> in suburban St. Louis. There was a, they didn't want another war toy, so they said, well, Kung Space Race is real big. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Come on, gang. I, I had to jump onto the microphone for that one. Uh, um, so Major Matt he's Mason. he's an astronaut. Was he's he an astronaut? an astronaut? He's an astronaut figure. Um, actually, first African-American action figure was Major Matt Mason's friend Jeff Long. And uh, Jeff it was what... what? Jeff Long was the guy's name. I thought it was Jeff Lung. I thought it was Long. Is it Long? Long. That's, yeah, that's well, kind of, of that's a little fucking innuendo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so, and if you're, if you're kind of my age, you know, in your late forties, early fifties, and you grew up in the sixties in the space race, like we all did, man landing on the moon and everything, you'd wanted to be an astronaut when you were a kid. So it yeah. was a brilliant toy. It's actually still Mattel's 
second best selling boy toy of all time behind Hot Wheels. And, and of course, Tom Hanks is developing a, a live action feature. It's He's so a- it's so funny that that tra- and you could look at it through Disneyland, of course. But the trends, uh, if you were a couple years younger, you were into cowboy shit. Uh, Probably Bat Masterson and fucking a couple years older. You were into a couple years older. I mean, rather, yeah. and then it went to the Space Age, and yeah. then for the last thirty years, kids are just like, I want to die one day. Like <laughs> yeah. we, it used what? to like. What? You know, what? I, I feel like we've just become so cynical as a child. Like what? What are the? It used to be all about cowboys, and it was all about space race. And yeah, then we achieved everything, and then what was it all about? It was like I don't know a four hundred one k. Yeah, like we lost that imagination as a nation, kind of. Well, yeah, because now we're all or playing video games, and there is no imagination. We uh, we entered an age of cynicism that you could yeah. track back. You could track back to eighties ish, um, early eighties. Well, it's a, this pod, this podcasting. This is what it is, right? It's a rich, dense fucking lasagna. Here's the interesting <laughs> thing. So Condon goes out to Manhattan recently, right? Comes back, and it's always interesting. Bill grew up in Queens. He went to school in in the city uh, at Regis High School. Then he went to college at Columbia, right? Has never lost touch with New York City. Goes back for, obviously, you know, Broadway, uh, straight plays, musicals all the time. Um, comes back from his last visit, and he's like, ugh. There's always, like, complaints, right? Um, but they, they, the complaints over the last 10, 15 years or so are, are really far outweighing the virtues. Every once in a while, he'll call back from New York or whatever, and it's like, God, I just saw, you know, one of the most amazing plays I've ever seen in my life. Um, but he comes back recently, and here's the complaint. You'll be interested in this, Matt Cohen. His experience of New York on the last visit was that everybody was very regimented. So he said, when you're on the sidewalks that are usually, you know, this is arguably the greatest city in the world. It's chaos incarnate. Instead, everyone's lining up in a very it's orderly into way Tokyo. for taxi cabs. Turning into Tokyo a really? little bit in that sense. I, I was just in Manhattan, and I, I grew up in New York, but in the last 10 years, with all the glass and steel and all the kind of, it's now, you now have to make over $150,000 a year to live in Manhattan on right. an average based on the uh, hotel rate, and it's kind of become this tiny island of the super... Elites. Elites, yeah. but, and, and that always leads to... Order. Order and homogeneity. Everyone Correct. wants to, no one wants right. to stick out. So yeah... It is, it is a lot, it is Have a lot. Have you been on the High Line? I, my little brother literally lives five feet from the High I was throwing Describe shit at people the in the morning. In it is an elevated less. subway track that they have planted scattershot weeds on and 8,000 Asian tourists walk through it every morning. It, it literally, oh, my brother, the High Line is from where that glass is, my brother's window. But it's window. one major, major worldwide architectural and design awards. Totally. It's an incredible thing in New York City, much like the work it that is, they've done on Battery Park. But it reminds you of just how fucking city New York City is, that all of us are flocking to this fucking elevated, elevated train track That's right. that has a couple a benches and, yeah. a, and some wild grass. It's like, drive right. 20 minutes out of Manhattan, there's actual nature. Yeah, that's what, that's why I say Tokyo, because oh, yeah. in Japan, they do... Uh, they, they'll do parks on top of apartment buildings where right, they'll have right. full, like, like a park. Here's, here's the interesting thing. So Bill goes on the High Line again, always a pleasure. And he's like, Jack, you can't believe it. These people are, who are on the High Line, which is, it's ostensibly a park. Let's just say it's, it's a, it's it's a, a sliver of track. Central Park it's a jog- elevated. But it's, and right. it's very narrow though. It's only maybe Everyone's seven walking feet. in a straight orderly line. Yep. Bill's like, what the fuck? 
right? So what I suggest to Bill when I'm hearing it is back and forth in a, in a just exchanging ideas is maybe this is in some way 10 years on now. Uh, this is, this is, we're starting to see maybe some of the long term effects of 9-11 and New Yorkers mm, interesting. responding interesting. again, long term post traumatic stress right. disorder, but long term responding to the chaos that they felt the out-of-control thing that they felt right. when those planes were exploding into those towers. Yeah. And maybe the way they're New Yorkers, of all people, who run up escalators. New Yorkers are now seeking more control and are behaving in a more controlled way. Like That's everyone else, though. Like, uh, there's nothing... There, There's no moment of humanity that upsets me more when I pull into, like, the Best Buy uh, Target thing on La Brea. That's the gateway to West Hollywood Project. There are three... Um, when you pull into the garage, there are always three lanes. One, you have to right. make a little bit of a left. One, you have to make a sharpish left. One, you make a little bit of a left. And there's a one lane that's straight away. Right. Every time you pull in without fail, there are ten people in the straight lane and no one in the other two. Humans like to be that. herded... Yeah. Someone did an experiment. I can't remember the specifics, but they had like 30 people stand outside a building. Right. I believe it was Manhattan on a line. And uh, over the course of a few hours, people would walk up and say, hey, what are you guys waiting in line for? And they would go, oh, I don't know. And by the end <sighs> yeah. of the day, there were 400 people in line. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Human yeah. beings just have a natural yeah. tendency yeah. To, to just, okay, we don't want to be alone because that's where we'll get hurt. So yeah. we fucking herd yeah. in with everyone else. And yeah. that's what New York's – but New yeah. York was so not that, and now it's becoming – it's a city of fear. Every, no one wants to step it's out of line. It's a city of order. Yeah. A city of chaos. Based on fear, become, though. Possibly post 9-11, possibly not. Well, and also that's... It's become a city of order. And certainly that started a little bit before that. Giuliani, Giuliani. the gentrification of time. Because right. I know as clean a New Yorker up, myself... Clean it, clean it up. I, I remember going back to New York around that time going, holy shit. Uh, th- this place is nothing like. I mean, yeah. th- there's no litter. There's no homeless. They've cleaned up Disney's everything. Disney's just restored the new Amsterdam theater and has parked the Lion King here. It, it, Disney is New on York Times is, Square. You where can't even drive through Times Square anymore. I know it's like it's, the Hotel W. There's like yeah. fucking lemongrass and benches oh my gosh, everywhere. It is, yeah, yeah. It, it, and a new it, it, TKTS booth. Yeah, that everybody that is step, raving the red about. Oh, really? The red steps. The red. Oh yeah, yeah. We were there. right. Anyway. So, in this exchange of ideas, so is it 9-11, is it Giuliani, the age of cynicism that you're talking about, yeah. is it, for for me, I first remember becoming aware of a cultural shift or a shift in tone with the advent of a guy who I had seen on local television when I lived, when we were stationed at Fort Drum, New York, way, 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 way upstate New York, between 75 and 80. There was a guy who I saw out of the city, or maybe he was out of Rochester or Syracuse, who was the this funny motherfucker, but he was very, very cynical, very ironic, very, very dry. And he went on to get his own sort of late-night talk show. His name was David Letterman. Oh, wow. And for me, that was my first awareness, along with also like George Carlin, even like Martin Mull, all those guys who are selling this very dry, very detached, very cynical thing. You could say it goes back to Vietnam. You could say it goes back to the assassination of Kennedy. Mm -hmm. But and maybe Letterman is, you know, 10 years on or whatever is the response is part of the long term response to those events. But. We definitely, since that time, 
we've definitely been leave, culturally, certainly in, in huge areas in pop culture, we've been living in an age of cynicism, which is a perfect place yeah, I like to it. break this it's off, fun. I guess. Yeah, Whatever. Anyway, Alec Peters, who may one day have his own <laughs> podcast on this internet radio station. We'll just see about some of the subjects that we've covered today and and if if that's the case then you'll go to smodcast.com you'll go to who's who or whatever you'll click on alec peters and this podcast will be the very first <laughs> mention of you on the network which is another reason we're going to use your title in the title of uh for this episode and this will serve as in some way your origin story. Oh, all right. Nice. We'll see. Well, and then we'll, sell, we'll sell the clothing you're wearing, man. Yeah, I, that's right. And I'll show you how to display it properly. Exactly. <laughs> it, all comes gonna, it all comes together. Follow up for the win. Yes. You're going to make I'm, an offer. I'm going to put Jared. We're going to keep I'm, in touch Jared with this. Jared does all the real work at Prot Works. Yeah, I'm down. Jared yeah. Hunt. Um, Jared Hunt. Our my buddy. assistant. Is going to uh, track that shirt down for you, and your offer again is two hundred, two hundred bucks, two hundred for that shirt for yep, that yep. Hellboy Which shirt. means I know if the guy comes back to me and goes, "No, I went two fifty, I'm just going to go, "Yeah, I'll take it." Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know he'll pay it. <laughs> this has been episode sixteen, Alec Peters. Uh, I'm we're on Facebook, like, like us on Facebook. Matt Cohen is on Twitter. Good old Camel Toad, Camel yep. Cigarettes. With a hideous horny toad. Well, all one word. I'm on Twitter, Jack underscore Morrissey with two R's and two S's. Also, team underscore Jack, where you'll find our 26 or 28 lovely Twihards now who are there to field your Breaking Dawn related questions. And Alec Peters, all one word. All one word. You got your name on Twitter. Yeah, I got my name. That's awesome. At Alec Peters. I, I got, I couldn't get my name as one word. I had to take that stupid underscore but oh, yeah. fuck it i, I annihilate that person now so <laughs> i guess that's it so we'll um see you next wednesday thank you for having me out 